Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked On Canadians, the Habs lost again by a lot. Again, we're going to talk about holding veterans accountable, like Martin St. Louis says he's running out of patience. We're going to see who should sit next, and then it's silly season now. Trade rumors are flying, and they're surrounding the Canadians, and we're going to get into all that and more inside today's show. Our Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 757 of Locked On Canadians. As always, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast here at the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts, or if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for subscribing. Make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new video. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba, and the Canadians Predators game is currently still going on. They were losing 6-2 when we sat down to record. They are now losing 6-3 because Brendan Gallagher has scored a goal. So uh, at least we have that going for us at this point. They won't lose by potentially four goals tonight in front of their moms, which is nice. Laura, how are we doing on what is a rainy, cold Tuesday here in Buffalo? I want to know what the relationship between the Habs and their moms is like, if this is the performance that they turn out in front of their mothers. Um Honestly, I think we've talked enough about how the lack of effort has not been there. To be honest, against the Predators, I saw quite a bit more effort than I saw in the previous maybe five or six games. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Saros is too good. That's one. And two, the defense isn't great, right? So, like, I can see that they're trying they're trying more. Not everybody is a passenger in this game. I can see, you know, some we called out Josh Anderson and he ended up scoring a goal. Um, so let's just keep calling people out now. But I, I think we're seeing more effort, but we're not really seeing all that much um, in terms of results. But this, you know what, if this is what we're going to get, like I would rather they try their best and some players have flashes of good moments in order for them to increase their trade value, which, you know, this is going to be the topic topic of conversation from now until March, essentially. Uh, so buckle up, everybody. Uh, strap in. It's going to be a lot of trade deadline talk, including at the end of this episode, in the third segment of this episode. But um, I also have some questions about the lineup to begin with. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to text you, Scott, and be like, can you can you explain this lineup to me? Uh, because you don't have the answer. And the only Martin St. Louis has the answer. And for me, I just, yes, they, they put him up for a brief moment. But why is Slavkovsky on the fourth line? My biggest thing with all of this is that we were discussing in the Eyes on the Prize Slack channel is that why is Jonathan Drouin the third line center? Why is Jake Evans the fourth line center? What is going on? And then the Canadians posted lineup and none of it mattered because Jonathan Drouin was suddenly the second line center on their lineup card. I acknowledge that Martin St. Louis has an incredibly difficult job right now in that he is trying to figure out anything besides Suzuki Doc Caulfield that works and is rolling critical miss after critical miss after critical miss on everything. 
is some of it effort is some of it, you know, just the players aren't good enough. I, I don't know. Some of it I do think is an effort thing. I think guys are just completely toast on losing and the way they're losing right now. And at this point it's, you should try. I get that they want to get veterans going because they want to bump up that trade value and get what they can for them at the deadline. But at a certain point in the game, when it's getting out of hand, when it was, I think it was five, two or something. Who cares? Give Slavkovsky the ice time. Rest some of the veterans. Give the young guys. Let them skate. Let them make mistakes and let them learn. And the hard part is I am i haven't noticed Slavkovsky a lot because the team hasn't been in games in a way that he can make an impact, even when, you know, it's late. If they're losing, okay, that's fine. But they're losing in a way that doesn't allow them to utilize him in a way that's going to get them back into that because currently they only have one line that they trust. That's not a proficient way to run a team, unfortunately. And yeah, the team's not great. I didn't think they would be this dismally, like heartbreakingly bad. Uh, and I do think they will bounce back a little bit from this, but I sense there's a lot of frustration in this team right now. And sooner or later, it's going to boil over. They do play the senators and they do play the Leafs this month, which that'll be super fun. That'll be super, super fun. Um, but we're we're kind of reaching a, I don't want to say a watershed moment because I think that's maybe too big for this, but I think we're kind of reaching a a Rubicon of sorts for Martin St. Louis as a coach. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment because it is important. The team needs some kind of boost. And I don't think, God love Anthony Richard. Uh, great story. I don't think that AHL call-ups are going to be the fix right now. They need someone to get this team going. Caulfield looks great still, even when he left the game with an injury. Nick Suzuki's struggling, though. Kirby Doc maybe doesn't look the way he did before because they're just honing in on that top line. And I, I don't quite know what the answer is at this point. That isn't just bench all the veterans and just let the top line play 40 minutes a night because that's not feasible. And I don't want to look ahead to next year because I still feel like there's a lot of analysis to be done on the young guys playing this year. This is another game, though, that it's hard to take analysis from. It was for a little bit. When it was 3-2, it's like, cool, maybe we'll actually be able to look at the numbers and the stats of who worked, who didn't, and what matchups. And then it just goes out the window because the penalty kill's terrible. The power play doesn't score. And to avoid sounding like a broken record, we've had this conversation before. We don't need to rehash it. Things they got to figure out something because we talked about it under Ducharme. If you let toxicity soak into this locker room, you're going to undo a lot of the good you did going into last season where you had positive outlook and coming into the start of the season. If you let that toxicity creep in, uh, things are going to get bad, uglier than they are, because that's when teammates get in arguments with teammates and you see yelling on the bench. Then you then you have an entire other storyline that isn't even hockey related. So it's there's there's got to be changes coming a little bit. And I know that people want to hear more about the games. It's it is what it is. Penalty kill doesn't stop goals and the power play doesn't score them. Simple as that right now. Uh, Did you have any parting thoughts before we moved on to the next segment here, Laura? Not really. I think, you know, I, I basically I feel like we're all kind of in the same boat here. I think the the discussion really the disagreement centers around what they should do um 
and how 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 bad they could be at the end of the season. I think that's the only disagreement that I'm seeing uh, in terms of the fan base. You know, should they trade everybody now? Should they wait? Should they should they tank? Should they not? Who should they play? Where? That's the kind of thing. You know, some people call us out for calling out Edmondson, but I mean, he's not doing well. Oh, you're not going to like the next segment at all then. And because getting into the next segment, Martin St. Louis scratched Yol Armia going into the game against Nashville tonight. We're going to take a look at applying that to other people on this team and what Martin St. Louis has to do at a critical moment in his coaching tenure. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by the folks at betonline.net. They are your number one source for all your betting needs. Live odds, videos, podcasts. We know you like sports podcasts. You're listening to us every single day, we hope. You can get the latest odds. The NCAA national title game is right around the corner. Obviously, the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. NBA basketball is in full swing. Hockey is in full swing. Everything that you can bet on, boxing, MMA, golf, whatever you are looking for, the folks at BetOnline have that. And they are the fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info, live odds, lines, whatever you are looking for. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And remember, bet online, it's where the game starts. And before we jump into our next segment, please, if you like us and you like hearing about prospects, tune into Locked On NHL Prospects. Our good friend Hattie runs that podcast. If you want to know everything about prospects going on around the NHL in Europe in the Stack 2023 draft class, please, please, please check that out. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. You will not regret it. Okay, people didn't like that we were calling calling out Joel Edmondson. And I understand the thought behind it, is that Joel Edmondson was a valuable piece of this team in that Stanley Cup run. He was missing a lot of last year when the defense really struggled. And my biggest thing is, and Laura, I'm going to turn this over to you in a second before I kind of go on my whole spiel with this. Martin St. Louis said he was he had lost patience and healthy scratched Yoel Armia going into this game. Armia played on the fourth line. He played on every line possible, including the top line for a handful of games, to try and get something going, anything at all, and it didn't happen. Now, Yoel Armia is not at fault for his contract. If you get offered a good contract, you sign your good contract. Simple as that. I want this same energy applied to everyone on the team. And right now, the biggest thing out there is I look at when goals get scored, who I am often seeing out of position and on the ice, and it is Joel Edmondson. And I he, he I think he's got to sit for a game at this point. It's not working. They've tried him with everybody on this defense, and, and it isn't winning out. And I just, yeah, they miss Mike Matheson a lot, but it's just, it's not working. And I want to see Martin St. Louis keep that same energy across all of his veterans, all of his players, absolutely all of them. Everyone should be held accountable to build good standards for the Canadians. I actually agree with that accountability part. I also think that Joel Edmondson needs a, he needs a break. He needs a few games in the press box. I think just mentally sometimes, you know, you find that you're underperforming and sometimes it's a physical thing. And we also think that he didn't get enough conditioning on his way back from injury, but sometimes it's a mental thing too. And you just need, you need a breather, right? And what better breather than to watch the game from the rafters? I think, you know, to me, I just think it's good. Just, just not just for accountability, but maybe whatever is ailing him is in his head. And 
whatever is not working is he just needs to get back to basics and stop overthinking. And usually when you do a healthy scratch, it's usually a younger player, not a veteran. And it's usually a wake up call. And I don't think in Edmondson's case, it's a wake up call as much as it is. He just needs to perform differently. He needs a mental and physical break from what he's been doing so far. That's all. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think they need to go too deep into it. Just, you know, you need a few games off because you're not performing to your level. You're not making any of your line mates better or your, you know, your defensive partners better. You're not making the team better. In fact, you are actively in the underlying numbers hurting them. So you need to sit, you know, you need to sit for a bit and just remember what makes you effective. And that's the thing is I'm looking at the numbers for this game. They are hideous. A game in which the Canadians were losing going into the third period, usually when the team that is winning by multiple goals will tend to sit back and invite score effects, the Canadians gave up almost 79% of the shot attempts on net. That's pathetically bad. And the defense is just, every time there's an odd man rush, it is panic. Everything is terrible. And... David Savard came back tonight, and I don't think he played badly for a guy who was missing for a while. He didn't play great. None of the defensemen really played great tonight. But they're always sliding out of position and going down and just giving up a free look at the net there. And God bless Sam Montembeau for doing his best. I thought for, you know, despite giving up six goals, he could have probably, it could have been so much worse if he wasn't on his game here. And it's like, just stop, stop sliding to block everything. I know you know how to play defense better than this. You helped shut down the Toronto Maple Leafs offense. You beat the Winnipeg Jets in four straight games. You helped keep Mark Stone off the score sheet in the Vegas series. You know how to play better than what you are doing right now. And the issue is is that it's just not clicking. And like you said, take a mental break for a game or two. And I get, yeah, you want to have veterans there. You want to have a guiding hand. I fully understand that. But you have to have accountability. Because if you don't have accountability, the players run the roost, and that's a problem. I know Joel Edmondson is probably absolutely furious with himself more than anyone else is. I know Josh Anderson is probably fed up. I know all these veterans are probably, I know the young guys probably are. But at a certain point, you have to have some kind of accountability for that. And this is where it's up to Martin St. Louis to stake his flag in the ground here and make this that line. At what point are you no longer willing to tolerate less than acceptable efforts? You can have a bad game or two. That happens. Sidney Crosby has bad games. Connor McDavid has bad games. It happens, but when there's so many in a row... And you're not, I'm not seeing a, an upturn here or a positive silver lining in this. You have to find a way to figure this out and make it better for the team because otherwise you're just kind of leaving a guy in psychological and physical hell here trying to figure it out without an answer or a lifeline. And I, it's, it's like I said in the first thing, they don't really have a lot of other options right now they don't want to recall guys from the rocket because the rocket and lions are thin on pieces and they're playing meaningful games with all due respect to the Canadians who are quite frankly, not, they don't have options in the NHL. Caden Gooley is on IR. Can't call him up. 
Madison Bowie is injured in Lavelle. Can't call him up. Otto Leskinen is injured. Can't call him up. That leaves Corey Schooneman, William Trudeau, and uh, Matthias Norlinder, none of whom are immediately going to help fix this problem right now. That's three guys who could slot in on your third pair with the utmost respect for all of them because I cannot slot in on an NHL third pair. The time is kind of getting nearer and nearer that something has to be done and someone has to pull the trigger on something. And we knew this season was going to be tough. I think we just hoped that the veterans would be a little bit more stabilizing for these young guys because the growing pains are happening as the veterans are basically falling off a cliff before their aging curve says they should. And that's a little bit concerning because we thought one or the other, not both at the same time. Uh, Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before we move on to our final segment? Not about this. I mean, we're kind of in agreement on this. I think, I think, you know, people will, will see. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about Edmondson specifically in the next segment. Uh, but I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm in full agreement with everything you just said. It, it's tough. And like, I'm not saying I want the Canadians to go make the playoffs. I just want that spirit back from the beginning of the year that, yeah, they lost, but you don't, you don't see that deflating on the bench and everything else that we saw last year. It, it hurts my soul to see that because these guys played really well to start the year. Was it unsustainable a bit, but the harsh regression the other way is really hurt. And I think confidence is, is lacking a little bit. And it's, it's up to Martin St. Louis now to figure out what that next step is. And him and his coaching staff, they don't have a lot of time. The Rangers, the next round of the schedule. And then they have the St. Louis blues on Saturday. It's going to be an interesting end of the week for the Canadians as they kind of navigate through this. I think they have one win in their last seven games, which we expected losses. We just hope that we'd see more pep in them. And now to kind of take a uh, hard right turn here into our final segment, the trade rumors are flying in the new year and they are surrounding the Montreal Canadiens. And we will get into who and what and why and how, if possible, all coming up next. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians and the trade deadline is two months away. It is January 3rd when we're recording this. The trade deadline is March 3rd. Uh, why it's on a Friday this year, I don't know. It used to be on a Monday. I'm not in charge of these things. But the news today is, and I believe this was on Insider Trading and also Chris Johnston talked about this. The Montreal Canadiens are listening to offers on Joel Edmondson. Uh, so are the Columbus Blue Jackets on Vladislav Gavrikov. And the price for both players is the same. The Canadians are asking for a first round pick plus. What that plus is, I don't know. And my biggest thought with this is if Kent Hughes gets a first round pick for Joel Edmondson and like he did for Ben Sherratt, you start building a statue for the guy because it would be quite something to see a guy who has had major surgery and was out most of last year, missed the start of this season, has not played particularly well, doesn't have the great underlying numbers in the fancy stats, are you realizing this sounds a lot like Ben Sherratt now? He has another year still on his deal. If Kent Hughes gets a first-round pick and a prospect for this, I will be stunned. And I'm hoping he does. I really do. Not because I dislike Joel Edmondson on a personal level, but because it's what's best for business. And that's where Kent Hughes is, you know, where he's at right now. This is not about 
personal feelings. This is about what is best for the Montreal Canadiens organization in future. Do you know what I think is really funny is that I saw the tweet that you're referencing that reported Chris Johnston's, um, you know, what he said. And like, there's a bunch of replies in there being like, oh, come on, neither of these players is worth one plus or, you know, first round plus. And I was like, it doesn't matter what you and I think Joel Edmondson is worth. It matters what other general managers think Joel Edmondson is worth. That is exactly how Kent Hughes was able to get a first round pick unprotected, unprotected, plus a prospect for Ben Sherratt. Did they get something else as well? Another like fifth rounder? They got a fourth round pick, I believe, based on my uh, the replies. Yeah. They got a lot, right? That was a truckload for Ben Sherratt. And so, you know, and there was a lot of debate on Ben Sherratt as there is debate on Joel Edmondson. Like a lot of people value what they bring to the teams, right? A lot of people were very sorry to see Ben Sherratt go. If you look at how Ben Sherratt is doing right now, right? So I think it doesn't really matter what you and I think. It doesn't matter what our fellow fans think. It doesn't matter what literally any of us think. It doesn't even matter what the media thinks. It doesn't matter what the most well-connected, uh, you know, influential hockey media person thinks. It only matters what other GMs think Joel Edmondson is worth. And we know that there's GMs out there who will pay for a guy like Joel Edmondson, especially if they're if they think that they're going to need him for a playoff run. So I think that it is in obviously, you know, the Canadians are setting the price or making their price known. And I think it's worth it for them to wait. There's still two months until the trade deadline. And the closer you get to the trade deadline, the more injuries these cup contending or even playoff contending teams have, the the more the market increases, right? We're not talking about September right now. We're talking about January, February, and then the first two days or three days of March. I think it's going to be fine. I think, you know, we're talking about like, yeah, do, do I think that he could fetch a first rounder? No, but it doesn't matter. Again, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what whoever is calling Kent Hughes thinks. And it also matters what else is available around the league. So obviously one of the dominoes will fall, whether it is for the Blue Jackets or the Montreal Canadiens. And then, you get the other person, you get an overpay because there's going to be so many GMs that are going to be so freaked out about missing out that they're going to drive up the price themselves. And all Kent Hughes has to do is field the calls. And this happens every trade deadline. Have we learned nothing? Apparently not because the Canadians did this last (laughs) year when they traded Tyler to Foley. He was the first domino and everything here. Admittedly, that was further in advance than we thought, but it was still the first piece and then Ben Sherratt was traded before the trade deadline. He was, what, two days beforehand? Before we sat down to record a podcast, it was Ben Sherratt got traded. I remember because I was playing Dying Light when Ben Sherratt got traded, and I had to go, you know, do hockey journalism, God forbid. Cackling. And, and the thing is, like, Joel Edmondson absolutely does have the intangibles that GMs look for. So does Josh Anderson. They absolutely do, and I do not want to discount that because I understand why GMs will pay that much for these guys. It's not my personal belief, but I understand it and I can, you know, I get it. It makes perfect logical sense, even if I don't agree with the process behind it. But it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't matter what I think. No one gives a crap what Scott Matla of Lockdown Canadians thinks when it comes to trading Joel Edmondson. I'm not an NHL GM. I don't work for an NHL team. I just know what I see. And if and here's the thing is if at the end of all this, when Montreal gets home and the team goes, we will give you a first round pick and prospect right now for Joel Edmondson, take it. 
because my biggest fear out of everything in this is that if he continues to play poorly, teams will eventually look at this and just kind of go, what if we give you a third and a prospect or, you know, two prospects that aren't, you know, on a certain tier that you're looking for. If or you were what if given you get that a guy off- from another team, that's exactly. my biggest it's- fear is what if they're like, okay, forget Edmondson. We're going to look at some other team. That is my, that is also what I'm thinking is that it's like, if some other team out there is the first domino, we're going to see what the market price is for stuff. Like who other rentals, like Sean Monahan, what's he going to fetch? I think he will go rather quickly at the trade deadline, mind you, because of his uh, versatility this season. But I am very curious to see if they can actually pull this off. If Kent Hughes can, for a second straight year, jettison a Mark Bergevin, intangible heavy defenseman who was part of that Stanley Cup run and everything else and get a first round pick plus for it. He's doing a phenomenal job for a brand new GM in this NHL, in the NHL here. And I know it's two months away. A lot, a lot can happen and a lot probably will happen between then and now. So we will see what is going on with that. Uh, Laura, do you have any parting thoughts before I uh, send us off with a message and our uh, sign off? No, I think, I think again, this is such a weird episode because we're fully in agreement. We need to get more arguments into this episode. Oh, a parting thought. Next week, we are having Sebastian High on. We are going to grill him about all kinds of prospects plus Nick Suzuki. We were supposed to get him on for this week, but we have a shortened week, obviously, because of the holiday. So we will have him on next week. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good time. We're going to talk prospects. We're going to talk everything else with that. Um, I do want to take a moment here just uh, with some of the stuff that's been going on around the sporting world and something that I think is really important for Um, everyone to hear as a message overall. Um, Obviously, I live in Buffalo, New York, home of the Buffalo Bills. And as I'm sure everyone who is even slightly in touch with social media and the sports world uh, saw what happened to Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin on Monday Night Football, where he suffered cardiac arrest on the field um, in one of just the scariest things I've ever seen in sports. I'm not going to go into whether or not the NFL and all that other stuff. That is not my job. We have Lockdown NFL podcast that you can tune into for that. My biggest thing with all of this is that as someone who went out and got CPR and AED certified beforehand, if you are able to do so, I highly, highly encourage that you do that. It does not take long. The AEDs nowadays are so incredibly uh, advanced. They walk you through the steps to make sure everything is set properly for this. You never know when you might need it in a situation and be the one who helps save someone's life in a situation. And at worst, you never have to use it ever. It's It doesn't take long. It takes a couple hours at most to learn how to do this. And it is an absolute literal lifesaver that you give someone two, three times better chance at staying alive when they get to a hospital if you were able to do CPR and perform those things on them or utilize an AED in those situations. It doesn't take much. I just want to say real quick that most of these programs are available for free. Um, If you look for them, you will find free CPR courses. Uh, And in some places where that's not available, a lot of employers will actually pay for you to go do it. So it is worth asking. It's worth looking around to see that if there are free courses. Um, Personally, I think they should all be free, but I understand why they're not. Um, But there's also 
uh, some employers will pay for you to go get the certification and you'll be able to even do it and like miss a couple of days of work. So check that out. Uh, I do know that it's that's available in the U.S. and in the and in Canada in the Canada in the U.S. and Canada. Um, not sure about the rest of the world, but definitely definitely check it out and find out if it's something that's available to you. Like Scott said, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a long time, um, and it should generally be free. Or your employer might pay for it. Yeah, um, that's all I wanted to touch on on that. Um, if you want to donate to Demar Hamlin's charity, I retweeted a link for it yesterday. It started at less than $2,500, and last time I checked, it was closing in on $5 million total dollars. Um, uh, I, I don't have much to say on that, so I'm just going to unfortunately make the weird transition into our sign-off. So thank you for uh, indulging me in what I thought was something that was very important for a lot of people to hear, I think. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at, at The Active Stick. You can follow us at Scott Metla, as you see below on YouTube. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your daily podcasts and on YouTube. Please make sure you ring the bell to get notified every time we post a brand new episode. And remember, when you're done checking us out, check out Lockdown NHL Prospects because as much as we like to pretend to be prospect experts, Hattie actually is. And he has everything you need to know every single day. Folks, we will see you all next time.